I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 2 Chronicles chapters 19 through 23. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In 2 Chronicles chapter 19, Jehoshaphat gets a rebuke from his own prophet, beginning reading now today with verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem, and Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him, and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, in that you have removed the wooden images from the land, and have prepared your heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. Then he set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed to what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Now therefore let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests, and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they returned to Jerusalem. And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a loyal heart. Whatever case comes to you from your brethren who dwell in their cities, whether of bloodshed or offenses against law or commandment, against statutes or ordinances, you shall warn them, lest they trespass against the Lord, and wrath come upon you and your brethren. Do this, and you will not be guilty. And take notice, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord, and Zebediah the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters, also the Levites will be officials before you. Behave courageously, and the Lord will be with the good." In 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verses 28-34, to 34, we saw that Judah's king Jehoshaphat had a close brush with death in his attempt to help his buddy, the wicked king Ahab of Israel, when they were fighting the Syrians. When Jehoshaphat gets back from battle, his own prophet Jehu goes out to meet him with some bad news. He shouldn't help wicked people, he says. He lets Jehoshaphat know that God's not pleased with that, and that he should expect some wrath from God because of his unsuccessful battle fling with Ahab. However, God is pleased with Jehoshaphat in this respect. Jehoshaphat had removed the wooden images. Those were images to the goddess Asherah. He'd removed those from the land. God also commends Jehoshaphat for having a loyal heart. Jehoshaphat goes on a tear, instituting some godly reforms in Judah, with which God is very pleased. These reforms included establishing godly judges, empowering the Levites, and setting up the high priest Amariah over them. He also appoints a man named Zebediah to oversee judgment regarding the king's matters. You'll notice in verse 4 that Jehoshaphat's influence apparently reached up into the northern kingdom, Mount Ephraim up there, with regard to worship of the one true God. In chapter 20, 
Jehoshaphat has to go to war against the people of Moab and Ammon. Verse 1, It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name's saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazael, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another.
In this passage, a combined force of three armies are on their way to Jerusalem, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites. What will Jehoshaphat do? Well, he gathers all of Judah together, and they have a prayer meeting accompanied by fasting. He leads in verses 6 through 12. Verse 13 indicates the magnitude of this prayer gathering. It says, Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. I'm amused by one of the points in Jehoshaphat's prayer found in verse 10. That's where he implies in his prayer, If you had let our forefathers destroy these people, we wouldn't be having this problem right now. That's a recall of God's instructions to Moses back in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 5. That's where he told him not to war against any of these three nations. Just at the conclusion of this big event, this big prayer, Jehaziel, one of the Levites, gets a prophetic word from God and starts speaking in verses 14 through 17. God tells them that the battle is not theirs, the battle's God's. All they have to do is just show up. God will do the rest. The next day, Jehoshaphat rolls out his new battle plan before the people in verses 20 and 21. We're just going to organize a big praise God session and let God defeat the enemy all by himself. Oh, one more thing, singers. Jehoshaphat puts singers in front of his army. Hey, singing in that choir wasn't for the faint of heart. Of course, it all worked out. The invading armies get confused in their ambush attempts. I mean, wouldn't you if you came up against an army led by the choir? And they turn on each other, wiping themselves out without Judah's army lifting a hand. Well, except for the choir, of course. So the Ammonites and Moabites mistakenly end up attacking the Edomites, who were the inhabitants of Mount Seir, until everybody's destroyed. Then we have the aftermath in verses 24 through 30 of Second Chronicles chapter 20. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And there were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of that place was called the valley of Barakah until this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. So Jehoshaphat stuck with God, and God even rewarded him for it. At the conclusion of the battle, the entire enemy army, all the soldiers, were dead. No one escaped. When they started taking the spoil from the battle, they had won. They did it without fighting. They couldn't even carry all of the spoil. Then we have a summary of Jehoshaphat's reign in verses 31 through 37. Verse 31. So Jehoshaphat was king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azabah, the daughter of Shilhai. And he walked in the way of his father Asa and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, first and last, indeed they are written in the book of Jehu, the son of Hanani, 
which is mentioned in the book of the kings of Israel. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. And he allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. And they made the ships to Ezion-Geber. But Eliezer, the son of Dodavah of Merishah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Well, Jehoshaphat served God all his days. However, he didn't continually purge Judah from those pagan altars that are called high places. The people built them back. It was an uphill battle. Jehoshaphat dies, but not before he and the king of Israel, Ahaziah, go into a shipbuilding venture together. God's unhappy about that. He's doing business with the wicked king. The ships wreck. Jehoshaphat consulted God in battle, but not in his business venture into shipbuilding. Then we come to Second Chronicles 21, and we got a guy named Jehoram. By the way, the reign of Jehoram is also found in Second Kings chapter 8, verses 16 to 24. You'll see it in the column to the right, and written in blue, but it's not part of today's reading. We'll read it another day. Second Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. And Jehoshaphat rested with his father and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azariahu, Michael, and Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. Their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things with fortified cities in Judah, but he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now when Jehoram was established over the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and killed all his brothers with the sword and also others of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done, for he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and since he had promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. In his days, Edom revolted against Judah's authority and made a king over themselves. So Jehoram went out with his officers and all his chariots with him, and he rose by night and attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him and the captains of the chariots. Thus Edom has been in revolt against Judah's authority to this day. At that time, Libna revolted against his rule because he had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit harlotry and led Judah astray. And a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord God of your father David, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat your father or in the ways of Asa king of Judah, but have walked in the way of the kings of Israel and have made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot like the harlotry of the house of Ahab, and also have killed your brothers, those of your father's household, who were better than yourself. Behold, the Lord will strike your people with a serious affliction, your children, your wives, and all your possessions. And you will become very sick with the disease of your intestines, until your intestines come out by reason of the sickness day by day. Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabians, who were near the Ethiopians." And they came up into Judah and invaded it and carried away all the possessions that were found in the king's house. 
and also his sons and his wives, so that there was not a son left to him except Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. After all this, the Lord struck him in his intestines with an incurable disease. Then it happened in the course of time, after the end of two years, that his intestines came out because of his sickness, so he died in severe pain. And his people made no burning for him like the burning for his fathers. He was thirty-two years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem eight years, and to no one's sorrow departed. However, they buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Well, Jehoshaphat, like a good father, provides for his sons after his death. He gives them their own cities and makes them princes over those cities. Jehoram, his firstborn son, becomes king. So, Jehoram, now that you're king, what are you going to do? Well, his reply, I'll kill all my brothers. What do you expect? Not only does he execute his brothers, but also some other princes, government officials, I guess it's not necessary to point out that Jehoram was a wicked king of Judah. Jehoram was married to Ahab's daughter, Athaliah, daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, and granddaughter of Amri, the sixth king of Israel. She shared the trait of wickedness and ruthlessness with her ancestors. Jehoram reigned over Judah for eight years, from age 32, and all wicked all the time he was. Elijah wrote him a letter, told him that God had passed judgment against him because of all his wicked deeds in Judah. He would die messy death with the disease of the bowels. That's not bad enough. Jehoram gets invaded by the Philistines and the Arabians. They carry off nearly all of his family and all of his riches before he dies in agony as a result of his bowel disease. Nobody's sad to see him go after his eight years of wicked reign. They didn't even bury him with the other kings. One bright spot's found in this chapter, though. Notice verse 7. It says, Yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and since he had promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. Despite his wickedness, Jehoram caught a break because of the covenant that God had made with David back in Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. We know that covenant as the Davidic covenant. There's an article about that in the topic section of BibleTrack.org. As a result, Jehoahaz, his youngest son, was somehow spared in the invasion. This Jehoahaz is the same as Ahaziah, the next king of Judah. One more thing. We see in verses 8 through 10 that the Edomites flexed their muscles during Jehoram's reign and appointed their own king. They continued for centuries being a problem for Judah and Israel. Now, we have a summary then of king number 5, Jehoram of Judah, the southern kingdom, from 848 to 841 B.C. He wasn't good at all, so it's, everything about him is evil, and we find the bad in Second Chronicles 21.6 and Second Chronicles 21.11. Then we have Ahaziah, also known as Jehoahaz. Wickedness begets wickedness in this case. Second Chronicles chapter 22, verses 1 through 9, which, by the way, is also paralleled in Second Kings chapter 8, verses 25 to 29, and then some passages in chapter 9, which are in the right-hand column, written in blue of today's reading. But those verses are for reference. They aren't part of today's reading. Second Chronicles chapter 22, verse 1. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah his youngest son king in his place. For the raiders who came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. 
His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. Therefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father, to his destruction. He also followed their advice and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead, and the Syrians wounded Joram. Then he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which he had received at Ramah when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. His going to Joram was God's occasion for Ahaziah's downfall, for when he arrived, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had appointed to cut off the house of Ahab. And it happened when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who served Ahaziah, that he killed them. Then he searched for Ahaziah, and they caught him. He was hiding in Samaria, and brought him to Jehu. When they had killed him, they buried him, because they said, He is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. In 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 26, it reports that Ahaziah was actually 22 years old when he began to reign. Given the fact that his father Jehoram was only 40 years old when he died, it's certain that Ahaziah was 22 years old when his reign began, as reported, by the way, in 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 26. His mama was Athaliah and served as his counselor. She's wicked. Just like his father, Jehoram, Ahaziah never did the right thing before God. He was wicked too. He becomes an ally with King Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel. Maybe he was impressed that Jehoram had the same name as his own wicked father. They went to battle against Syria and lost. Israel's king Jehoram was seriously wounded. When Ahaziah went to check on him, he was captured and executed by Jehu of Israel, who was actually gunning for Israel's king Jehoram. Jehu just took care of two kings in one visit and thus became the king over Israel. If you'd like more information on his execution, then see the notes on 2 Kings chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. So Ahaziah is dead after reigning for just one year. And if you look in the written notes, there's a summary box for king number 6 over Judah, Ahaziah, just in a few months in 841 B.C., the good, no, no good, but the bad is specified in Second Chronicles chapter 22, verses 3 and 4. And then in Second Chronicles chapter 22, verses 10 through 12, Judah has a queen for a while. By the way, Athaliah, that queen, her reign is also found in Second Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And if you look into the written notes of BibleTrack.org, you'll see it in blue in the right-hand column, but that reading is for another day. So reading 2 Chronicles 22.10, verse 10 says, Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, 
hid him from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. And he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. This is where the whole descendancy from David thing gets a little bit messy. Remember Ahaziah's wicked mama, Athaliah? Of course, Ahaziah's dead, but his wicked mama, Athaliah, she must have taken wickedness lessons from her mama, Jezebel. After her son Ahaziah is executed by Jehu, she decides it's time Judah has a queen instead of a king. She locates and kills the royal family. Well, at least she thinks she's executed all the possible heirs to the throne of Judah. Remember, in Judah, they were adamant about their king being a direct descendant of David. Athaliah misses one, though, little baby Joash, who was hidden away by Ahaziah's half-sister, Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram and wife of Jehoiada the priest. Baby Joash was in hiding for six years while the wicked Athaliah reigned as queen over Judah. Ironic, isn't it? Athaliah's daddy was the wicked king of Israel, Ahab, now deceased, of course, and here she is picking up the reign over Judah. And if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org, we have a summary of king number seven, well, actually a queen. She reigned from 841 to 835 B.C. over Judah. Her name's Athaliah. Nothing good about her. She was an illegitimate queen in Judah who acquired her position by assassinating all the legitimate Davidic heirs to the throne, but she missed one, Joash. She was the daughter, by the way, of Ahab and Jezebel of the northern kingdom of Israel. In chapter 23, verses 1 through 11, we have a seven-year-old, Joash, of course, who has a really big day. By the way, this is paralleled in 2 Kings chapter 11, verses 4 through 12, which is not part of today's reading, but it is written in the right-hand column of the table there for BibleTrack.org for the reading today. 2 Chronicles 23.1 In the seventh year Jehoiada strengthened himself and made a covenant with the captains of hundreds, Azariah the son of Jeroham, Ishmael the son of Jehohanan, Azariah the son of Obed, Maaseah the son of Adaiah, and Elishaphat the son of Zichri. And they went throughout Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah, the chief fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king of the house of God, and he said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has said of the sons of David. This is what you shall do. One third of you entering on the Sabbath of the priest and the Levites shall be keeping watch over the doors. One third shall be at the king's house and one third at the gate of the foundation. All the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. But let no one come into the house of the Lord except the priest and those of the Levites who serve. They may go in, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. And the Levites shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes into the house, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each man took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest had not dismissed the divisions. And Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of the hundreds the spears and the large and small shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of God. Then he said, All the people, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar and by the temple, all around the king. And they brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, 
gave him the testimony, and made him king. Then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, Long live the king. All right, so let's agree on something. Athaliah was a bad woman. After all, she was Ahab's daughter. Her son Ahaziah had been king of Judah, but he died. She had then sought out all the royal family, male descendants of David, and had them all killed so she could become queen of Judah. One problem, though, she missed one, little baby Joash. Jehoiada, the high priest, had hidden the one-year-old son of Ahaziah named Joash. Sometimes he's called Jehoash. He hid him in the temple for six years. Athaliah thought she was home free until one day Jehoiada makes his move. He coordinates with the shift changes of the priest coming on duty and going off duty at the temple along with the military leaders to declare Joash king of Judah at the ripe age of seven. The plan works, though. The good guys surround the seven-year-old and proclaim him king of Judah. Remember, the people in Judah were quite adamant about the throne being held by a descendant of David. Therefore, seven-year-old Joash is an easy sell, especially with the high priest behind him. So then we have a record of a very tough day for Athaliah, recorded in Second Chronicles 23, verses 12 through 15. It's also found in Second Kings chapter 11, verses 13 through 20, which is not part of the today's reading, but you will see it in the right-hand column in blue. Second Chronicles 23:12. Now, when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance, and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, also the singers with musical instruments and those who led in praise. So Athaliah tore her clothes and said, Treason! Treason! And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds who were set over the army and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by way of the entrance of the horse gate into the king's house, and they killed her there. Well, naturally, Athaliah, who had illegally hijacked the throne of Judah six years earlier, wasn't happy when she realized what these double-crossing priests had done. She cries out, Treason! Treason! True, but she was the one who'd committed the treason. The priest had her removed from the temple and executed. Some days just don't end up as good as they start. So then in verses 16 through 21, Jehoiada, the priest, he cleans house. Verse 16, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king, that they should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Also Jehoiada appointed the oversight of the house of the Lord to the hand of the priests, the Levites, whom David had assigned in the house of the Lord, to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord, as it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and with singing, as it was established by David. And he set the gatekeepers at the gates of the house of the Lord, so that no one who was in any way unclean should enter. Then he took the captains of hundreds, the nobles, the governors of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the house of the Lord, and they went through the upper gate to the king's house, and set the king on the throne of the kingdom. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had slain Athaliah with the sword. Well, a lot of evil had taken place over the last six years under Athaliah. 
Jehoiada, the high priest, who was the power behind the seven-year-old King Joash, he sets everything straight after her execution. They bring back worship of the one true God, and it's over for Baal and the other false gods, too. Athaliah wasn't the only one to have a bad day, though. How about those pagan priests over at the Baal R Us temple? Old Matin got executed on his own pagan altars. The people of Judah are elated. They are once again a one God nation. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton. Thank you.